0: Hello, everybody. This is Anna and Brian from our World podcast. And today we have our next guest for our AI episode, Andrew Poulton, who is a research engineer at Gen AI Meta. Hi, Andy. How are you?
1: Hi,
2: Anna. I'm very good. Thank you. I'm um, very glad to be uh, invited on. Thank you.
0: Uh, it's a pleasure to have you here. And um, could you please uh, give a quick introduction to yourself and maybe your background?
2: Uh, yeah, sure. Um, so currently I'm a research engineer at uh, meta um worked recently on llama 2 model um we released in the summer previously i worked at a few startups doing sort of in the the pre uh gen ai boom i guess uh nlp stuff um my background's actually in in math i did a, a phd in um quite abstract useless maths um and then yeah, in my one of my first roles, I I uh, was introduced into some NLP and um yeah took to it uh, quite quickly.
1: So like, can you tell us how did you f- first come across? Um, I mean, how what was your first experience with Gen AI? And like, you know, moving from NLP was that something you know revolutionary uh, for you, or or do you still think that like traditional NLP uh, techniques will still be I think it's valuable um, moving forward.
2: Uh, yeah, good question. So, I think the for the the generative side of things, so actually having these NLP models generate like believable text, um, I hopefully I'm not alone in being caught by surprise by how good like the launch of ChatGPT was, um, because previously you'd have these you'd be using language models like quite similar to like to these modern la- large language models in kind of their architecture to do like classification kind of things. Um, so yeah, have lots of different bespoke models for different tasks. And that was what my sort of job was doing was building and monitoring these models. Um, but then, yeah, then then GenAI was sort of launched um, in Meta in that kind of response to ChatGPT. Uh, so it was quite uh, an exciting time to be suddenly the, being able to to create these models these generative models that you know produced such um like reasonable text i guess um was uh was pretty exciting and it, it was yeah so i was aware of like the generative ai stuff but it was just bad um before you know like a year and a half ago <laughs> And so it's suddenly just like all launched out, um, yeah, following the, the ChatGPT launch.
0: And uh, if you can, uh, could you please give some examples of projects you're currently working with, and um, what's your interest?
2: Yeah, sure. So I've in the the LLM space, I've mostly worked with on the the, the data side of things. So this is the one of the like the, the longest running um, tenets of all of like machine learning ai stuff is you have garbage data in you get garbage data out and this is still true at the scale of llms where you're kind of working with web scale data um so it's really really challenging to curate a data set so large um to make sure that your model at the end of it does it the, at the this is the pre-training stage of the models um uh has you know the, the sort of world knowledge that you'd you'd want like an AI assistant to to have. Um and alongside that I I do things with evaluation. So literally trying to work out how well is the model using the data that we're providing it. Um these are all like, very challenging things. And it's difficult to give exact examples because it's um this is really like the the secret source of all of these models. And this is like the, um, if you read any of the papers nowadays coming out or the white papers surrounding various model launches, they uh, tend to be deliberately cagey around data. <laughs> um, because yeah, like the, that's where people get their Um, the real improvements between models in terms of their knowledge is in better curated, uh, data, uh, pretty much. Um, so yeah, that's what that's mostly what I'm focusing on these days.
1: So maybe for the benefit of our viewers, could you try to explain, you know, what an LLM is and you know how how does it work in a uh, simple terms?
2: Yeah, sure. So in simple terms, that all they are are um, they are models that are able to, given a passage of text, they can predict or or generate a distribution over all possible continuations of that text so like the next word after that um and they do this in a loop so they you pass in a question and then it will generate each word of the answer one after the other like feeding back in everything is generated to predict the next word um and how they're trained to do that is the um the tricky part so llms are large language models so language model part is what i just described um something that can predict a word giving a a, a context uh, the next word giving a given a context large um here depends who you talk to but i sort of think of it in terms of these models are parameterized by some numbers and if there's more than seven billion of these numbers you're in a large language model um and yeah they're, they're the architecture, the the the, um, the neural network behind them are what well, nowadays um, some slight variation of what we call a a, um, a decoder transformer. Um, so these are models that the, the basic architecture came about in about twenty seventeen, I think, um, and it uses this something called self attention to. Um, to compute like relationships, identify um, relationships between words in a in a sentence in order to know how to generate the next um, next term. And what this basically means is that it can uh, compute relationships between a word and any word that came before it in the in the sequence. Um, and it uses these relationships as it builds up down the model. There's many layers of these um, to compute the next the next word.
0: And I think just like um, from as well from your background on um, LinkedIn, are, are you doing some um, educational um, bits with the uh, LLMs?
2: <laughs> yeah, I've um, I did a over the summer like a a few sessions with um, I've forgotten the name of the company now. I think Investin was the company, and it, they do like these kind of summer school things for. Um, like high school age um, kids who are interested in various types of engineering, um, software, mechanical, um, and they had a session on AI in general um, that I that I led, um, which is very interesting. Like to talk to these kids and see, because I'm, I'm pretty sure, like give or take whatever legislation may or may not arise at. These sorts of things are going to be ubiquitous tools, um, for people. Um, and it's very interesting talking to people who are sort of, you know, they're, they're going to start in the workforce just as these things are, you know, by the time they're, they're starting work, they'll be pretty good now. They'll be pretty good at that point. Um, so seeing what they thought of that, what they're, Hopes and fears for the technology was um was very interesting
0: is it much easier to explain uh what is um saddam
2: <laughs> i think so yeah um yeah and um, they yeah they had a i think yeah i might have overcomplicated complicated the the explanation but the um uh yeah they they sort of got the idea i think the the one thing to to get out of it is that currently it is only thinking about the the immediate next thing so you if you Check to GPT you, you get the impression that it's you know like it passes the Turing test so it's so it's indistinguishable from a, a thinking planning human um but it's not um well it might be indistinguishable but it it's not doing the you know the, the planning part of things because it, it doesn't have that its future horizon is the immediate next word it doesn't have anything beyond that um I think that's yeah that was a like a Key thing I wanted to get across, I guess.
1: <laughs> could, uh, do you mind sharing your thoughts on some of the sort of most popular LLMs out there today? Like, when when you're teaching people about LLMs, do you um, you know encourage using a specific lm Like, you know, could it be like OpenAI Bard or Llama or one of those? Like, w- which one do you think is good for beginners or more advanced users? <laughs> this is maybe
2: a bad admission, but I. I'm not like an avid user of the actual products (laughs) as they currently are. Um, like there's, we have internally, um, well, there's, there's, um, like co-completion models that are quite good these days that, um, we have a version of at Meta. Um, and that's, and it's like, it's opt out. Um, and I haven't opted out, opted out. And so that's the, that's the only real one that I, I use. I don't use, um, the other thing, and really all that, that's not like a, a, that's only because I, um, I'm pretty good at using Google, <laughs> so I don't know, that it didn't solve a use case for me yet. Um, the, in terms of what is good, it's, um, I mean, chat GPT and GPT are obviously this, the state of the art really, um, if you just want to have a text interface with a, with, with these generative models, um, there's. As you say, the Bard, like with the new Gemini models that Google have released, um, Anthropic have this model, Claude, um, that is also supposed to be pretty good. Um, and then there's various other um, uh, places. Like there's there's lots of open source based models. So based on Llama uh, 1 and 2, um, there's a new startup in Paris called Mistral um that have a few really really good models they've only been around for 10 months or something and um have a few the state-of-the-art models for their size um and it, in terms of like use the ones to use um if you just want to yeah there's just the text interface i think it's very difficult to beat uh the chat gpt ones um if you want to Build your own develop on top of um an existing model, then that's exactly what llama two models are kind of built for, but the um Mistral models are also very good for that, and you'd actually see hundreds and even if not thousands of um, distillations of variations of of these models available on like public hubs of of these things um, but yeah i mean there's there's a lot out there and In terms of what's best for you it's it's like use it and find out i suppose there's different levels of like safeguards on on them as well and and judging by the people i follow on twitter there's chat gpt does fluctuate in terms of how willing it is to answer questions (laughs) for whatever reason
0: and do you think this year we'll see more gpt's appearing for more specific like purposes and maybe you can uh, talk a little bit more about lama if if you can
2: uh, yeah um yeah so i think yes i mean there's um open ai announced that their gpts which i, I again this is one thing i didn't look into incredibly closely at but it, i think my understanding is that it's a you can like train your own or create your own version of chat gpt that you know either has its own persona or has its own kind of knowledge base maybe to use and there's lots of companies that offer this as a as a service um, where you can take like a, a base model and either fine tune it or um you know do whatever to, to make the model better at your specific use case maybe a worse general model but much better than gpt4 even on your specific use case and i think that is going to be a that's a pattern that I don't particularly see changing for a while is that while you get very good general models um, they'll be easily beaten by smaller more adaptable um, models on specific areas like areas that are useful for for end users um, and this is kind of I think anyway part of the philosophy behind the open source culture at meta with with Llama two, where we we released, um, I think three different sizes of models, and at various stages of training as well. So at the pre-training stage, which is the stuff that I'm involved with, and then the the chat tune stage, where they, which is the a latter stage, where you can actually get um, a model that responds as you'd expect um, somebody to respond in a conversation. Um, and yeah, there, there'll be tons of these built out for different specific reasons. Um and it's actually becoming easier and easier with places like H- the Hugging Face Spaces and Hub have a way of letting people um deploy and um using the library's train uh adaptations of these models. So like fine-tuned versions of these models that solve particular problems like maybe they adapt to a language that, that the model wasn't originally trained on It's you know, that's, that's a, that's a big, you know, gaping hole really in terms of these models is that they are not usually trained broadly multilingually. Um, Mistral is maybe the um, exception that they've got a multilingual model out quite quickly. Um, But yeah, yeah there'll be tons. <laughs> they'll be all over the place There's, in terms of what one people hear about they might not be they'll be just kind of too it will be like the, the big players will be the big players I think in terms of what has popularized and kind of leaks into pop culture um I don't really see that changing too much, but on the in terms of what model people actually use to do things, there'll be a huge variety of different um origins as well
1: so I think. When, when you think of LLMs these days, there's always a focus on sort of getting more and more parameters, just growing these models bigger and bigger. But I think there's, you know, been a lot more appreciation to, on the fact that, you know, this approach isn't scalable and they're trying to focus on, say, sort of smaller LLMs or maybe LLMs that can be, you know, run on device. I think like different, uh, sizes, yeah. it. Right? Like what are, what are your thoughts on this and where do you think, you know, we should be focusing our attention on?
2: Yeah. Um, Good question. I think the um, you're right in terms of scale being a big contributing factor to performance, um, and that I don't think will change very much. But in terms of practical usage, I think there is a trend towards these smaller models. So um, there's models are around like the seven billion range is are like the the prime examples of like the right size to fit on current like consumer de- um hardware and the ones that can be run kind of efficiently at edge um the like the code models you kind of I spoke about before tend to be between like 1 and 3 billion parameters which is a sort of a bit below the L the large um language model size but um yeah i i i think one kind of trend that's just in progress is there's rumors that chat uh g p c four is what we call a mixture of experts so it, total parameter count is you know it might be in the trillions um but it for each um forward pass with an eight like prediction out of the network only uses a small fraction of those um models so you you trade off um you, you get the the benefit of a large model but at when you actually use it for inference, you you get the, the benefit of a smaller model. Um and Mistral have recently released a, a mixture of expert models as well. Um so I think you'll see that kind of thing where it's trying to get the best of both worlds. Um because I mean the, the main fundamental issue with these really large models is that serving them and put them in production is pretty much infeasible. Especially for users who want to take the model fine tune themselves. Um, you know, people like Google and Meta can probably manage, you know, the hundreds of billions of parameters of, of model that chat GP um open AI can. But yeah, costs a lot and it's very difficult to to do. So yeah, in terms of end user models that get pushed to device, there'll be smaller models for sure.
1: small models of the future. <laughs> and I think I want to go back to that uh comment you made about you know you yourself not being an avid user. Of the, these LLMs, like what, what do you think it would take for you to start using LLMs uh, a bit more? So sort of, yeah, yeah. Where where uh, like at what point do you see yourself using it almost on a daily basis? Let's say.
2: Yeah, um, I think the integration becomes more seamless. So so the main use case where I currently use it, it it's sort of I'd have to go out of my way to not use it, um, and it's. Yeah, I, I, I might even be using it without knowing, right? You know, like the tab completion you get in if you're writing an email in Gmail. That could well be a partly powered by these things these days. Um. So, yeah, I, I don't. I think what I really will take a lot for me to change is that the the issue around um, models generating plausible but incorrect stuff i'm very skeptical of a lot of things that they um kind of produce like there's if i don't verify it myself i don't tend to be able to trust it off the bat like i think you see too many examples of people taking outputs from chat gpt gpt4 and um it's just completely incorrect but they there's this idea this aura around these language models that they're um, you know that they are intelligent. so they are what they say is correct, but no, there's this hallucination problem. So I don't particularly see myself being um persuaded by them as a, as like a search tool or like a, a fact finding tool for for a little while, unless they you know there's um there's like the um like Bing like sort of Bing's has a plugin i think or well, there's a plugin with chat gpt or something with that that lets you search internet so it um it sort of backs up its claims with evidence um but yeah that, that's the main problem i have with it is that it um they always want to find the next word and they don't care too much about it being true <laughs> mm. there's, there's no mechanism that makes them care about it being true
0: and do you have any kind of advice to those who wants to break into AI industry? Where where do they start?
2: Um, well, I mean the the barrier for entry now is, I think, getting much much lower because you can. One thing that they are doing is providing a an interface to, um, like, pretty complex tooling that is just natural language. Um, so learning how to interact with them like what prompts you need what how to kind of work out there's there's lots of like prompting techniques that can help the model um like tell you how much it how much it believes what it's saying um so yeah just learning how to interact with them learning what its limitations are um yeah i think that's that's kind of the, the The main things is that you can build a you know businesses based on a few well crafted prompts, and then you have suddenly had this enormous toolbox um, at your disposal um, that can do kind of incredible things. Like I've, um, there's lots of companies I've just launched as wrappers over OpenAI over ChatGPT that are, like their IP is just a well-crafted prompt.
0: <laughs> I was just curious about from maybe a perspective of uh, engineers as well, like if they want to get uh, like a research engineer position, <laughs> uh, so should they do some like competitions or like uh, do, do you know anything about that?
2: Yeah, I think like understanding the end-to-end process, I think is pretty important. Like there's, it's actually not too difficult to, you know, find some data, find some model to base it on, and fine tune that model, and then do like the the special um, reinforcement learning fine tuning of these models. It's hard to do it well; like it's really hard to do it really well. Um, but understanding that process and all the, um, just um, you know, the the technical issues that you wouldn't expect to come up like yeah just having the the experience of doing that and it's relatively like to to just do it even a small amount just to get like the sort of the idea of the of the flow is relatively easy to do i think these days um so there's lots of courses and resources that people can can uh can follow for this sort of thing
1: so there's already been some speculation about sort of the the next phase after generative AI, which is something called artificial general intelligence, um, or at least that's what I've been hearing. Could you briefly explain, like, you know, what that means and how far do you think we are from it? Like, given how quickly AI is advancing, do you think we'll get to it anytime soon?
2: Um, yeah. So uh, I think it's probably not a well-defined concept, and I imagine. The people who talk about it all have different opinions in their head of what it is. Um, I th- the idea is that it's not a specific artificial intelligence. I, I I think in that it's, you know, whatever we consider an AI model that it has, you know, is generally competent um, and intelligent from it, like a human standpoint in terms of what we're interested in. So knows lots of information or can use various tools it's provided with. Um, and in terms of how far away we are, it kind of depends on what your bar for what counts, (laughs) I guess, like, um, if you sort of need it to be, you know, being able to reason in a way that mimics human reasoning or tool usage, um, probably not all that far away. Like there's, there was a paper out of meta, out of FAIR the Facebook AI research. Um with a tool former, which was augmenting transformers, so the, the GPT type models, uh to be able to use tools like a calculator, web browser, um you know, uh I can't remember. There's probably other things as well. Um and it's pretty effective. Like you you can sort of see this stuff in use these days, like um with the models that can browse the internet and ones that can do like produce programs like testable programs um that uh, so they had a, a python interpreter t- attached to it as well um so i don't think that stuff is very far away from getting good um in terms of like a you know like a i don't know like an isaac asimov type intelligence yeah, electric um I thought they called in blade Runner, but that sort of type um of intelligence uh and I'm sort of skeptical that you'd ever necessarily get to that idea I don't know, I think like we're probably not too far off something that approximates that, but not in a I'm very low. I don't think it's gonna kind of, there's no like doom scenario out of it where it's like this super intelligence can do all of these incredibly scary things. Um they yeah, I think it's we're we're pretty close to that to some people's definition of AGI. I think that's the best way I can explain it. Um within like the next sort of five, ten years, I think there'll be some pretty good um assistants out there that can do a lot of the boring stuff we have to do but don't like to do and
0: do it well And um, do you have any other helps and predictions for the future of ai
2: um yeah i think like the for it to get really useful i think for it to be i see it really as a tool that we'll use rather than as a anything um more than that um so, yeah, just that it becomes useful, becomes, you know, just like we have a smartphone, we'll have a smartphone and an assistant that can do, you know, whatever annoying little things we want it to do <laughs> that we kind of don't really want to do right now. Um, and, like, lots of people talk about this as akin to the Industrial Revolution type of... um. Not just switch, but like, uh, um, you know, fundamentally changing how people can and do work. Uh, I think that is my hope is that it it does it in a positive way (laughs) that, uh, um, it doesn't necessarily happen too quickly without, um, you know, being thought through, but it becomes, you know, very, um, just makes a lot of annoying things easy and frees people up to do bigger better things and assists people in doing these bigger better things. uh, I think is what I hope and what people generally do hope for it as well.
0: Yeah, there are a lot of like bits that you can use AI for uh and actually Mm. make a world a better place. And I actually thought of about another um question. Mm -hmm. Um is there any kind of um like a project or something that you want to work on?
2: Oh, good question. I mean I have like a maybe a little technical, but I think the um there's there's kind of like an innate flaw in the current way that we model these things and that um you have to teach the model a vocabulary. Even 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 these models that are the image models, the audio models, and the text models, um to so take text, audio or images as input you have to teach them a vocabulary to begin with. Um, But these are programs on a computer, right? They shouldn't need to have this. Like that vocabulary is like a surface, a superficial layer that we like as humans, but the the computer doesn't need to care about it. So this I think is a um, getting rid of that. So it's tokenization is what what it's called. So making... um, Making these models like agnostic to the tokenization and, you know, so they just work on bytes. That's a, um, I think that'll be like a kind of a leap forward kind of moment when we, when we're able to do that. And then you can have, you know, you can talk to your model and write it a message at the same time and show a picture and it sort of all understands it all like, um, symbiotically and stuff. I think that's. Um, yeah, that's. I think that is like a big part that we need to fix.
1: All right, thank thanks for sharing that. And unfortunately, we are reaching the end of the podcast. As much as we'd like to continue the conversation, um, so I'd like to leave you um, you know, the last few minutes for any last words to our listeners, you know, about AI and the maybe the future of things, and also sort of how can they find out a bit more about. And how can they keep up with AI's development because things are moving so quickly? What sort of resources do you use? Um, you know, if they want, if they have any questions, how can they reach out and connect with you? Things like that.
2: Uh, yes, so they can find me on LinkedIn is the best way to to find me, I think. Um, in terms of keeping up to date with things, I mostly use Twitter and follow particular people on Twitter. Um, but I don't have a public profile on Twitter, so that's why I don't share it. Um, it's I'm mostly consumed from it. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's a really good place. I guessing a little bit messier now, but it's, yeah, it's, that's a pretty good place for ca- keeping up to date with, with things. Um, don't be afraid of this stuff. <laughs> it's just think of it as a tool. Like uh, it's, I mean, one of the things is that it's ultimately un- sort of vaguely unlimited potential into once it gets good, but it's, you know, the potential that is crafted by its user. So, um, find a way to make it work for you because yeah it's it'll be silly not to
0: thank you so much for doing this episode with us and hopefully in the future we'll be able to do an episode too uh (laughs) (laughs) thank uh, you very much yeah and uh yeah thank you for our listeners um
1: it's great having you so yeah thank you everyone thank you for having me bye bye
2: bye